Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello, Tender Wild podcast listeners. I am thrilled today to introduce um, someone who's had a major impact on me on me in this lifetime, uh, Kathy Pagano. She's a psychotherapist, astrologer, author, coach, and teacher, and she's been working with the gifts of the feminine spirit for over 40 years. These gifts include our creative imagination, our emotional intelligence, our instincts, and our intuition. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear about this maybe, but Kathy trained in dream interpretation, which is um, a huge gift of hers at the C.G. Young Institute in Zurich, Switzerland, and received her master's in counseling psychology from Goddard College, where she studied the psychology of feminine consciousness. Kathy's also been a professional astrologer since the 1990s, seeing clients for personal readings while also using these astrological readings in her counseling practice. She's the author of a book on the return of the divine feminine called Wisdom's Daughters, How Women Can Change the World. And this is the basis of her classes, The Wise Women Salons. She has a new recent book out called Aphrodite, Our Inner Venus. Kathy's definitely a change agent, an evolutionary activist and a healer. And uh, after working with Kathy for a long period in my own personal life, I can attest to uh, her deep, deep wisdom of all things symbolic, of dreams, of the interconnectivity of life. And so I am beyond thrilled to introduce all of you to her and to share in some of this deep wisdom that she always brings. Welcome, Kathy. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Betsy. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, we're it's thrilled. an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So, Kathy, we always like to start with our guests to give us a little background about your first 10 years. We always feel like there's something to be learned about kind of that early path that we take and how maybe that informed your work and your life's work. So what would you share with our listeners about maybe some powerful things that happened for you during those first 10 years? Um, well, I went to Catholic school and, um, I guess the, the most, the, the most telling thing is I've always been spiritual. When I was younger, I would read books about the saints and think, oh, I want to be a saint. Um, <laughs> later on, I wanted to be a ballet dancer, but aside from that, <laughs> but I remember in sixth grade at Catholic school, taking a, a, a uh, a test on the mass and I got 110 on it and I wiped everybody out and I went home that night and I told my parents, I'm going to be the first Catholic priest, woman priest. Wow. And then I said, I might even be the first woman Pope. And then I found out there was a woman Pope, Pope Joan. But thank goodness, as years went on, I ended up marrying a man who became an Episcopal priest. And thank goodness I did not become a priest. But later on in life, I became a priestess 
of the um, Egyptian goddess Sekhmet, the lion-headed goddess of Egypt. So that fits me more. Yeah. So you yeah. were a priestess. You just you weren't quite sure in sixth grade what what it was going to look like, but you knew you had gifts. Yeah, definitely. Very spiritual. So definitely. Story. So did you you where did you grow up? I grew up in on Long Island in a place called Manhasset, although I did start off in Brooklyn. And I started off um, when we lived in Brooklyn, we had a summer place on a beach. And so from the time I was two, the ocean was my playground. And um, a lot of times I do work with people and ask, what's what was your favorite fairy tale when you were young? Because the fairy tales speak to our sort of inner story. And mine was always The Little Mermaid. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I, it's a really good segue because you're so comfortable swimming in the depths. And I think that's what you unlocked in me is this deep connection to my subconscious mind, my dream life, everything that was submerged under the surface. And you taught me sort of how to swim in those waters and be comfortable in those waters and then bring what I knew back up to the surface and so um, I think this is actually a really great segue to talk about how did you start to dive under the surface? I know you went to the Young Institute, but when did you start to begin to see life through the lens of um, the depths, the symbolism, the subconscious mind, dreams? You know, what led you to that path? Well, I've always been a big dreamer. And um, and and one of the things is that I quite, I had, um, I got married quite early at around 20 and I had children and there was always a struggle between what am I doing being a mother and, and how do I live the life that I think I want to live? This is back in the seventies, of course. And um, my ex-husband and I um, went to the young Institute because he loved to go to school. And so, despite the fact that we had children. So me diving into the dream world really gave me a, a true vision of who I could be. Later on, when I learned astrology, I began to understand totally why I submerge in the dream world. I am in astrology. All of my personal planets are in the 12th house, the ocean, in that in the house of Pisces. So even at the Young Institute, when I had a, a dream that my therapist said, oh, you've completed your training here. Uh, a, a man with golden hair was cleaning out a swimming pool, which is your personal unconscious. And all along the side of the pool were statues of dragons and wizards <laughs> and fairies. So I've always kind of been a magical person, you could say. I believe in magic more than I believe in our outer reality often. And I still do at 74. Yeah. And do you still dream? I still dream, not as often. And... um when you clean out your on your personal unconscious, then you sort of segue into more of the collective unconscious often. And so I miss my dreams. I'm working very hard on getting them back. I have a small dream group going right now, and I've been determined to um to um get back into that dreaming place again. I've had to really focus on the outer world for quite a while. I didn't realize you could actually focus in on dreaming, like kind of opening yourself back up to that if you've been, because I know some people say, oh, I, I never dream. I don't remember dreams. And that's not something you either have or don't. It's something you can actually bring out in yourself. Well, 
the way I would describe it is about a third of the population are introverts and we're the dreamers because everything, all the energy of the world comes into us and we go, oh my goodness, what's going on? Most people are extroverts. So their energy is always going out into the world. Um, but everyone, but extroverts also can learn to dream. My ex-father-in-law at, at the end of his life became quite, he went to dream therapy and he started dreaming. And once I had a very intense dream and my mother who never remembered her dreams dreamt that night. Oh, wow. You know, and she was in my dream. So things like that can happen. Anyone can remember their dream. And our purpose in life, I think, is to be both introverted and extroverted. Extroverts have a harder time. They have to go learn about the inner life. And introverts have to live in the outer world. So we have to learn about the outer life. Right. It's a little like the masculine and feminine. We need we need yeah. both. We just need them to be integrated. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Kathy, one thing that has always um, stayed with me from you know my training with you, my time with you was you said once, dreams are like a direct message from God. Like they, they are a direct message from this very wise source to you. Will you expound upon that and, and, you know, talk about why dreams hold so much content and like guidance for us? The way I see it is that the dreams come from, I would call it the right side of the brain, the feminine consciousness, which is soul consciousness, right? It speaks to us in symbols. It speaks to us in the realm of the imagination. So when we have an, an emotion, sometimes we don't know how to get a hold of it, but a dream, but an image will come from it. If we stay with the emotion, we'll get an image and we'll be able to speak to it in some ways, right? So uh, this is the best example I can give in terms of how dreams can change your life and change the tra trajectory of your life. When I was um, divorced, I had four young children and um, my ex-husband's, you know, child support got spotty. And I thought, I really need to go and work full time. I was living in a tiny, cute little town in Rhode Island where not that many people knew how to access Jungian psychologists. And it was way before the Internet. So I was really determined to go up to Providence, which is the big city in Rhode Island. And I had this dream. I was waiting at this um, store. Uh, with a calendar that I wanted to buy, but it felt like an hour went by and nobody came. Finally, I thought I'm leaving. And I took the calendar and I left the store. But instead of going outside, I walked into a room and there was a woman in front of an easel, like a woman artist. And she said, Kathy, please put back the calendar. And I went, nope, I need it. And I'm sorry, nobody was there. And, and we discussed it. Finally, she turned around to her right and and called children and all these children came out of a door and circled around me and said, Kathy, please put the calendar back. So I did. So I said to my four children, they were about, there were three boys, six, eight, and 10. And then my daughter, who was about 15 at the time when I got divorced. So they were a couple of years older, let's say, but you know, three boys, two and a half years apart. It's intense. Uh, yeah. Dad. And he didn't come around very often. He's a good dad, but he was busy with his next wife. I said, okay, we don't have any money, but you have me, whatever you need. Oh, so what to me, I broke out of that patriarchal conditioning of, why aren't you out there making a lot of money? Yeah. 
it wasn't like my kids ever didn't have food. I never was on food stamps even. I made enough, but I didn't make a lot. And um, so to me, I broke that shell of patriarchal conditioning of this is what you're supposed to do as a single mother. And I went back to, no, this is what I need to do as a mother. Mm. And I will say that two years ago, I always bring in astrology because it's so fascinating. Pluto, the planet that strips you to the bone. He isn't the planet of death. He's the planet of death and rebirth. But evolution was opposite my cancer moon, which is a mommy moon on Christmas. And I was alone for the first time on Christmas. And I was sort of feeling sorry for myself. And I thought, oh, I'll never have my kids around. And about a month later, my two oldest boys um, called me and said, we're buying you a house. And they bought me a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a family house. They all come home to it. I think at four in their forties, they do not want to sleep on a blow up bed in a tiny, you know, living room apartment. Um, but it shows me that I made the right decision. Yeah. They're all yes, you very did. well. They're all great kids. They're all good men, which is so important, I think. And it told me I made the right choice. So that dream for you, dreams can really be our an insight into our inner wisdom and inner knowing. That's yeah. what you're saying is that. Yeah. What the soul wants you to do. Now, of course, yeah. not everybody wants to live by their soul, but we do. You know, this yeah. large and growing group of women, yes. as we found our freedom, we've gone and we said, oh, we're a soul. And it's such an important time in the world. And it's so important to break out of the patriarchal ideals. A young woman um, who I was working with had a dream that this beautiful hawk came to her and looked at her and then kept coming up to her and bigger and bigger. And it hit her, her leg and it wanted her to pay attention. And she loves hawks, she told me afterwards. But she had these friends around and they killed the hawk. Mm. And when we talked about it, she said, there are some of my friends who really aren't my friends anymore, but I want to be nice. And I don't feel, I feel guilty stepping away from them. Yeah. And now after working on the dream, she said, okay, it's okay to step away from them. So dreams show us the, really the truth of our soul, our psyche, and then we get free will choice about how we want to keep proceeding in life. But these dreams come as like a really, beautiful message to us, even though they're not always clear on the surface. Like you taught me a dream is never what it really looks like on the surface. You kind of have to understand the symbolism of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think people can work with their dreams on their own or do you think it's useful to work with someone else or be in a dream group or have someone else to bounce your dreams off of? Well, you know, when people work on their dreams themselves, they sometimes don't know how to ask themselves the deep questions. And sometimes they do ride over the surface. They go, oh, that's just because of this, that, or the other thing. Yeah. But so when you have someone who understands symbolic language, like one of the things I'm so glad I taught you, I guess, okay, you understand symbolic language. Yeah. If we taught that to all our children, nobody would need a dream therapist because after you dreamed, you would sit and you would un- you would work on it. But people can work on their dreams, but you have to walk around it. We call it circumambulation. 
Mm. You have to say, what do I think of this? What do I feel about this? What are the sensations? There's so many different psychologies that work on dreams in different ways. So there are techniques that you can do, but I have found it um, helpful, at least in the beginning, to have somebody else, like any therapist, because it is therapy, Yeah. right? Um, one of the things that Jung said was different from Freudian therapy is you don't have to go over your whole history. The dreams will bring it up. Yeah, you only have yeah. to deal with what the dream is showing you that day or that yeah. month or, yeah. Yeah. Like last night, there was a, another woman in my dream group who dreamt of something. And when I asked her, there was this, uh, somebody behind her and she went, oh, it's my grandmother after we talked about it, who rejected her because she was biracial. Mm. And so, and then the dream went on and she went, oh, thank you. She goes, this is deep. And it yeah. was like, it yeah. is deep. They are <laughs> always deep. Yeah. Well, I also, speaking of symbolism and archetypes and depth and all of that, you know, Kate and I talk a lot about how in the last two years of this podcast, we've sort of unleashed the wild woman archetype in both of our own lives. <laughs> you know, as we've started to talk about it, feel into it, work with it, talk to other women about it. It's like we see this energy working in our own lives. And I would really love for you to talk about your perception of what the wild woman archetype is, maybe why it's showing up more for lots of women right now, why this time in history, it's important that this wild woman come out. Um, I would love to hear your yeah. take on all of this. Okay. Well, first, I would like to thank Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Beautiful, beautiful book. And if you've ever seen her in person, she is the consummate storyteller. She is just wonderful. But anyway, and a young in, so there's that too. Yeah. You know, what is, well, let me ask you, what do you think the wild woman archetype says to you? I, yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's, she says, return to your natural state, which means you have to get out of the boxes and the constrictions and the stories about who you've been told you are so that you can, align more with your natural instinct. It's like a very instinctual way. And I don't know, Kate, what you would add. I think just for me, it's it's commensurate with like in, intuition, tapping into our intuition, which is, and, and the feminine that, the feminine gifts and powers that that gives us. And I think society and our systems and patriarchy pulls us away from that from such a young age. And so for me, it's been, you know, really trusting and tapping back into that intuition and inner knowing um, to make decisions, to show up in life. And that softness almost of the feminine becomes fierce when you have that connection to intuition. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I, I it's, it's always amazes me how cut off from our instincts we've become. I don't know if you remember it might have been in like 2004 there was a giant tsunami in the in the in the in asia and people just stood there as the water pulled out and only the animals and the native people understood and they ran for the high ground and then everyone else was swamped we are so cut off from our instincts that we have to realign with that right i use a fairy tale betsy knows this it's in my book 
um, it's called a la la rao. It's called um, of many different kinds of fur. And basically it's about a king who loves his wife so much that when she dies, she makes him promise he'll only marry someone just like her with golden hair. And he can't find anyone except his daughter when she grows up. And he's going to marry his daughter. And so to stop him, she says, make me a dress as golden as the sun, as silvery as the stars, as pearly as the moon. And then I want a mantle of fur with every single, a bit of every single animal in your forest. And she figures he can't do it, but he gets everybody in his kingdom to do it. So she has to run away from that incest of the father. Right. And she runs away in the mantle of fur and goes into the forest until the king of the forest, a new king comes and she works in his kitchen. And just like Cinderella, every once in a while will appear at the ball in the different types of dresses. And to me, and I go through this in my book because my first book, Wisdom's Daughters, it was sort of like a textbook, even though it's much more fun than a textbook. And yes, I wanted I, to I second yeah. that. <laughs> I wanted to teach women how to understand what, how to, uh, how to unravel us fairy tale, but also how to understand symbolic language. You know, we have to live in our instincts and then out of our instincts, we can be very rational out of our instincts. We can dream bigger. We can get into the imagination out of our instincts. We can touch the stars. We can be spiritual but we have to do it through our instincts. That king and queen, the mother betrayed her daughter by insisting that she only have that golden hair. Mm. You have to be good. That's like spiritual bypass. We are always have to be good and shiny and bright and we can't be dark and and um, vivacious mm -hmm. or passionate, you know, or um, instinctual. You know, so we have we go to dreams. This is the other thing. Jung said that there's a spectrum like the light spectrum and the infrared side would be an instinct and the ultraviolet would be archetype. And what happens is we're so cut off from our instincts that we have to work through the archetypes. So we dream about our power animals, or we pick a power animal card, or we pick a goddess card and we read what it means. And then we have to find the instinct in us. Wow. I, That's powerful. That is. I have a lot of animal dreams. I feel like animals show up a lot. Nature shows up a lot for me. And I never thought about it that way, that that is the, that is the connection. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, Kathy, like if, if we, because I agree, I, I, you know, I love to pull cards or, you know, connect with different goddess energies or, you know, I'm, I'm curious about all this stuff, but if we could just naturally be always in alignment with our own personal instincts, we wouldn't need that. Mm -hmm. Is that what you mean on some? Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's fun. Who doesn't fun. want to pull, pull goddess sure. card, right? Oh, the lady of the lake or Isis. <laughs> or whatever um and we get to learn history we get to learn our her story okay right. we get to reclaim the feminine stories that the patriarchy has tried to um deprive us of yeah so on that level it excites us because of course stories always teach us stories and music okay i think and songs they teach us on that instinctual level that's the other thing about when I was young. It was stories and music and dancing that taught me who I could be. Mm. The arts. Yeah. Yeah. Creativity. 
because it speaks to the heart. It isn't like a set of rules or remember these, you know, memorize these things and then you'll get it. Right. Yeah. Like when I was at Goddard, I had to write up my own program and I was stuck for a moment because I wasn't a great writer back then or I didn't think so. And I looked at the picture on the front of a book called The Sea Priestess by Dion Fortune. And the whole thing came to me from that one picture. Mm. Right. So that's like I'm in my instincts and I'm reading the images and all of a sudden the image speak spoke to me and I understood well, what is feminine knowledge? What is feminine wisdom? And it's kind of poured out that way. Yeah. And you were doing this like in the, I, in I the 1970s. I mean, you were doing this, you know, at the time I came into this world where you, yeah. now like people are talking about it. Like it's so much more mainstream. People yeah. are really talking about these things. What did it feel like to be at the forefront of this to, you know? Yeah. Was it lonely? Yeah. It was very lonely. And yeah. um, I lived in a little town. I was a mother when my ex-husband, when I was at school at seminary in New York City with my husband and I would work. All the women would sort of look down on me because, you know, I was only a mother and I was working. It was back when being a mother wasn't appreciated. And you understand, Betsy, the most important job that we have if we have children is to be a good mother. Yeah. And after I wrote my thesis for my master's degree, I got divorced. I was raising four kids and I really wasn't very good at selling the books. <laughs> okay. Like one agent said, it's a very well-written, but what's it about? And I went, well, it's about feminine wisdom and nobody wanted to publish it. <laughs> so I thought, well, I have to live it. Mm. Right. So I lived it. And then my children taught me to live it because I wanted to be, I wanted to bring up good human beings. Mm -hmm. right I think that's, that's so inspiring for our listeners too that yeah. like when we question how do I take all of this it's just like can you live it right show yeah. up in your feminine and trust your feminine trust those instincts and live it yeah well that was the fairy tale right I could write all about it I had all of the information that from my reading and my research but I had to go through the process of living in the mantle of fur and living it and then coming back out and saying, oh, look at this, or, oh, this is my dream, or, oh, this is my spirituality. Mm. And how has it helped you? I mean, you've been living this for living from these perspectives, a symbolic place Most for a long, life. yeah, for a long time. I mean, what would you say has been the benefit well, helped you. as you said, it's been lonely. Lonely. <laughs> okay. I'm a, I'm a bit of a rebel and I, I have a lot of Aquarian energy in my chart, even though I'm a Taurus with a cancer moon. So, but, um, and, and so I come up with ideas and people kind of look at me strange. 15, 20 years after I was on a town planning committee, a woman came up to me and said, remember when you were on that committee? And you said, we need to watch out for light pollution and noise pollution. And we all thought you were weird. Okay. I actually thought that. <laughs> she said to me, and I went, yes. She goes, you were so right. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard. A lot of Aquarians do have this issue. It's the, it's the, it's the um, sign of the group, but Aquarians tend to not fit into any group. Um, you see, when you see something ahead of time, you are quite alone in it. 
Mm -hmm. you know so wherever I went people kind of liked me but they weren't quite sure what to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> I went and lived and helped my mom when my dad died and I lived in Las Vegas of all places I thought oh my god how did I get here but <laughs> a lot of pagan groups and that's where I was initiated as a priestess of segment so good things came out of it but even they didn't know what to do with me Mm -hmm. they thought well she knows stuff and she's kind of cool but well, she's not quite one of us yeah i think that is the wild woman <laughs> i totally though that's why kathy's perfect on yeah. this podcast because i think you have embodied the wild woman for for so much of your life you you've lived it i mean you are living it which is probably one of my initial attractions to you when i saw you I was reading some of your work and I kept coming back to it every month. And I'm like this, I just resonate with this person so much. So yeah, you, you being brave to put your wild woman ideas out there. Yeah. yeah deeply impacted me. And I think so many people. And, you know, you have to stay with it because, you know, especially my three sons, it's sort of like, Oh, you are weird. Um, but <laughs> I was also the town mom. And you see, once again, when I was a, a young adult, being a mother with women who were feminists was not the thing to be. So even something as simple as that, okay, was in a way looked down on with the people that we were kind of hanging out with. Mm -hmm. Even at the Young Institute, having children, most of them were older. Um, and so to and then you get it from your own kids. And one day I just said, I was here first. If you wanted a Wickford mom, which was kind of sort of like a Stepford wife. Yeah. If you want a Wickford mom, you should have incarnated with them, but you chose <laughs> to get over it. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, our kids chose us. They did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we chose our parents. Mm -hmm. And then we look back and we say, wow, why did I choose to incarnate? And I really feel like we in America, because we aren't in the middle of the Middle East and in war and, and famine, although, of course, we have many people who are suffering here, um, we need to deal with the psychological wounds and be free of them so we can help free the rest of the world. I think we have a very um, powerful job this lifetime. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of that about? Dalai Lama quote, it's the Western woman who will save the world. And it it does feel like that because- maybe we have the privilege of time and energy to read and do the inner work. We're here to help create some shift and raise the consciousness of the, of our global world. Yeah. Right. Today's episode is supported by Dr. Yoga Mama. I have an upcoming program I'd love to tell you all about. If you have a calling to integrate the mind and the body, this might just be for you. Yoga for the Mind is uh, sort of my baby, my signature program based on my study of psychology and yoga. It's a four-month program, provides you a certificate for integrating yoga into mental health work or integrating mental health into how you teach yoga. Graduates of this program, working within whatever your scope of practice is, will be able to use these skills as a beautiful treatment for mental wellness. This episode is also being sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching. If you have an interest in transformational coaching, either in an individual or group setting, please reach out to katemorelandcoaching.com. So I have to ask, because you're an astrologer, 
what the hell is going on right now? What, what are we coming off of? Can you, and I, I'm asking, I know I, I'm, it's a big question, but where have we been the last several years in this astrological space and where are we moving into this? I keep hearing about the age of Aquarius, which to me, I, I'm drawn to that because I feel like that's, that, you know, historically has, uh, you know, I've and I don't know if that's really what's happening, but this period of transformation and, and which is exciting for me as someone who loves change, but will it be good change? <laughs> that's my fear. Well, knowing you and knowing the women, I know, yes, it will be good, but we women are the ones who have to change and then we have to stand up. So just a quick synopsis. First of all, in the sixties, two planets came together Uranus, um, Pluto, the planet of evolution, and Uranus, the planet of revolution. And I'm sorry, ladies, but we had the best music. Yes, <laughs> yes you did. <laughs> so, okay. It was an artistic revolution. It was it was everything. And a very famous um, astrologer traced that conjunction when two planets come together. It's called a conjunction back to Spartacus before the Roman Empire, to revolutions, okay? So that began, and then Pluto is, it goes through signs, and and it went through, you know, I was born with the Pluto and Leo generation. We all had to write our books and be creative, and then the Pluto and Virgo generation wants to be of service, and they changed the way we ate, and they brought in the health, healthy foods, and and Pluto and Scorpio was about, you know, talking about sex and bringing up the taboo things and all of the vampire books and werewolf books that the young kids are reading came out of that time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause even the dark is good. Right. Yeah. And then Sag was Pluto when it was in Sag, it was all about looking at the churches and our religious beliefs and seeing. So then in 2008, it went into Capricorn. And this is where everything began, this issue that we're talking about. Um, Capricorn rules our, um, our social order, our governments, our institutions, our financial systems. And Pluto goes into his sign and says, what isn't alive anymore? Let's bring up the dead matter, okay? Kill it off want, so we can have rebirth, right? Yeah. You want to get down to the soul issue. Like what is what is government for? It's supposed to take care of us. What is finance for? It's supposed to help us live a better life. So, But it says, oh, what isn't working? So of course, it, as soon as Pluto went into Capricorn, we had the financial crisis. Yes, I just realized. Right? Now, if the women ruled the world, we would have said, okay, let's the government give everybody $50,000 to pay off your debts. You can't do anything but to pay off your debts. And if you don't have any debts, then yippee for you, have $50,000. But it would have laundered the money through people to the banks, right? But they didn't because patriarchy is about supporting wealthy and that. So then we had 2012 to 2015, those two planets from the 60s, Uranus and Pluto, we're in the first square, which is about the hero's journey. It's about overcoming obstacles. And if you remember back then, all of the same issues from the 60s came up. Equality, women's issues. Yes. Right? Voting rights, the earth. Like, why aren't we taking care of the earth? And then seven times, which is the number of initiation. Mm. 
right? And then after that, Saturn and Neptune, Saturn was in the, the sign of um, Sagittarius, the truth. And Neptune was in the sign of Pisces, which can be a delusion, an illusion, as well as um, spirituality and imagination. And Trump came up with fake news. What is the wow. truth? Nobody knew what the truth was anymore. Or we wow. did. They tried to, right, scramble it. Wow. So then when, um, so this is all while Pluto's in Capricorn. So then... 2020, we had a conjunction of Pluto and um, Saturn in Capricorn, which hadn't happened since Martin Luther and the oh. and the Protestant Reformation, 500 years, right as COVID came in. Yeah, and George Floyd. And yeah, and George Floyd, everything. And right. Then, um, then in 2022, in February, I think 24th, we had America's Pluto return, and that's the big one. This is one of the reasons why our society is falling apart. Pluto returns only happen every 248 years, and it's kind of the end of empire. Mm. And our Pluto happens to be in Capricorn. We were founded by corporations, yeah. the East Indian corporate Dutch corporation, right? So here's the major, we are the major corporate state. Americans work more than anyone else. We have less rights than anyone else. Everybody else all around the world has more time off. It's yeah. crazy, more right? Social support, mm -hmm. more social care, support, right? Yeah. Childcare. Right. <laughs> so, so we had the Pluto return and we're, and now we're at that point of what are we going to do? Now, it's interesting that Putin started the war in Ukraine on the day of our Pluto return. Wow. You do know that all of these rulers do astrology. Mike, that guy, Steve Bannon, he studied occultism. He studied, he thinks they want to bring in these right-wing Christians. They want to bring in a new society, just like we do. But they want to have it be ruled by the men and, and wow. Christians, right? right? Whereas we want freedom. Wow. So all of this is going on. Our culture is falling apart because we've seen the hypocrisy of it. Mm -hmm. And then just last Saturday, Pluto for the last year, it went in for two months into Aquarius. Pluto's going into Aquarius. It went in last week until September 3rd, and it's going to retrograde back into Capricorn, the very last degree of Capricorn for the American election. Of course it is. Mm -hmm where we will have a choice. Will we choose democracy or will we choose fascism mm -hmm. or dictatorship? But anyway, so, okay, shifts. So we're shifting into a more, an energy of more um, thinking and communicating and ideas. Mm -hmm. So Aquarius is very much about freedom individuality but also living the round table king arthur's round table how do we all work as a group i'm good at this betsy's good at this kate's good at this joe's good at this jim's good at this and we all work together collaborative yeah like the knights and the ladies of the round table hmm. equal but different right yep so we're moving into a time of possibilities of um, Pluto will bring in, um, hopefully we will tame, we've, we're already seeing 
I think when it was in uh, Aquarius last year for two months, AI came out. We're already seeing the danger of AI. So Pluto is a self-corrector. You know, Pluto says, let's correct things. So we have to start by that. We also, everybody is finally hearing that Steve Jobs, all of those guys, Bill Gates, that invented all the social media, they don't let their kids use it. The kids go to school and they have to write with pencils and pens. They don't use computers in their schools. Mm. They don't allow their children to get lost in social media because they know how evil it is in some ways. Right? Wow. So we're going to see a rebalancing of that hopefully in the next 20 years. It's so, and I also read a little blurb that some man does, um, Right before Pluto went into Aquarius last week, some doctor thinks he discovered the cure for cancer. Mm. Really? Okay. Because what happens in the body is our we don't attack cancer cells because they're part of our body. Yeah. So he did he did something with the cancer cells so that when they re-injected it into the body, the body knew it was something they had to fight. Huh. Okay. So there are things- big discoveries on the horizon. Yeah, we're going to be interested in outer space because Aquarius is an air sign. I think we're going to develop more mental telepathy. Maybe everybody will get Mm -hmm. off the internet and get on the internet. And of course, that's one of the things we do, right? Our psychic abilities. You go, you think of somebody and then they call you. Yes. Right? Yep. Right? So all of those, there's so many possibilities of, for the Aquarian age, it could go bad. It could, but that's why it's up to us to make it more positive. And then in the next, then next year in 2025, three or four planets are changing signs, which is always big. Neptune is going to go into Aries. So it's at Neptune's in Pisces and Neptune rules Pisces. And it's all about imagination, but it, it's also about you know, bringing up the issues from the Piscean age, what happened with the churches and the religions and how they split us, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to go into Aries, a whole new, that Aries is the beginning. So a new beginning. Uranus is in, in um, Taurus right now. It's going to go into Gemini. Jupiter is in Taurus. It's going to go into Gemini. Saturn is in Pisces. It's going to go into Aries. So, I mean, there's going to be these major shifts yeah. next year, which promise to say promise all of us that yes we're going to go forward nothing's going to stop us from going forward even though there are a lot you know it's that sunset effect patriarchy knows it's dying yeah and at sunset there's one big splash like like I, meditate, I finally meditated for 10 minutes and then the next day you don't meditate at all. yeah yeah that yeah. backlash so i think we're feeling the backlash a long story to answer your questions well I love the long story because I love the big picture. I think it's so key. And I'm curious, it does feel, I think any, this podcast is really a lot of women who are curious about consciousness and evolution and growth. And so we are all sensing, I think that we're in the midst of something and it Mm -hmm. feels a little overwhelming. It feels really big. We're on the cusp of something. Uh, There's a necessity for us to stand up and be involved, but what, what would be your advice? Is this really from this really wise energy that you carry about how do we show up? How do we navigate these? Things? Yeah. Like what are, what are some pieces of advice for us? 
don't don't fall into panic and don't fall into fear. Ignore it. Okay. Okay. Not that you ignore and let bad people take over the world, but don't pay attention to all. It's my friend used to say, rack a rack a roo. It's don't pay attention to all, you know, it's don't read blurbs about Trump. Don't read, you know, whatever. We know that there's an environmental crisis. So you don't need to necessarily go down a rabbit hole following that. It's about how do you, first we have to kill patriarchy within ourselves. So ground yourself, go into nature. Don't pay attention and don't fall into fear. I think the biggest thing is trust spirit. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that we can do is die. But if we believe that we're spirits, that when we die, we're just going to be released from having to pay taxes and how we have to plan dinners, <laughs> right? Yeah. And are we too heavy? Should we go on a diet or, you know, what are we going to do? So part of it is, um, I say that because in the 70s, we all read Carlos Castaneda's books about Don Juan. Yeah. And Don Juan told him, take death as your advisor. If it's not your death, don't freak out. Mm. You know, yeah. So it's about staying grounded, being out in nature, communing with the land that you're on and talking to the nature spirits because nature knows what it wants to do. I think that women have the ability. I think we've disconnected from the only thing I can call it is Mother Earth's biosphere, the connection with everything. Yeah. And if we can re reintegrate ourselves into that, we can do magic because yeah. that's how magic happens. Wow. And right? then we'll know what the next right step is if we're connected into that wise yeah. energy. Yeah. So it's not me being wise. It's there is a wise energy out there. And if we open ourselves as channels, the Holy Grail. See, I do use a lot of myths, but this is wonderful. Like what's better than good myths, right? right. If we become that Holy Grail, that and and we say it's love but love is a state of being where we're amazed by the life where we see life as beautiful right yeah the culture is different from real life yeah totally and the culture is toxic right now yeah yeah so separate yourself out of that toxic live the real life and then also step forward in your communities, wherever they are, the literal community is often the best, do you know, and bring your gifts to the table. Mm. And hopefully they won't say, oh, you're weird. But even if they do, they let you in because they need people to, they need people. And 15 to 20 years down the road, they say that crazy idea. It was a really good one. It's a really good one. <laughs> right. He was right. Right? Oh. So... Uh -huh. And don't be afraid. Yeah, You know, part of it is if you trust yourself, you'll know not to go into danger. If you love yourself, you don't mind saying, standing up and saying, this is it. And if people don't want to listen to you, it's okay because you love yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Thank you for that. That I, you have helped me. Um, oh, good. <laughs> and, um, I, you just, that context and understanding is, you're so wise. Because it, to me, it feels like instead of fear, because you can't get into the panic mode and, you know, when you start to talk to people and it's like, well, what if, 
so-and-so gets elected again or what, what's going to happen? And you can get caught up in that fear. Whereas what I'm hearing from you is actually there's so much potential for change and there's so much change coming. It's just coming. Don't worry about it. It's coming, but stay away from the fear mongering and like be in the instincts, be in nature, listen to yourself, love yourself, give of yourself, trust that the answers and the discernment come when you're tapped in like that. And show up for right. the community. And, yeah. and show up for your community. Yeah. Because even if he wins, okay, and you know, we go we go into the fear mongering, but but partly it's not, you know, we don't need to fear that. If that's if that's what spirit needs us to face, that's this is where my early training of wanting to be a saint. If we're thrown to the lions, yeah. okay, there's the story. So make friends with the lion. Yeah. Right? Androcles and the lion, he had a little, he had a thorn. The lion had a thorn in his paw and, and this man took it out and the lion was his friend. We know that we can make friends with nature. We know we can make friends with, even with danger, if we have to, right? Yeah. So for you, and, and I will say this, you live in Iowa, I live in Rhode Island. Um, but, you know, when you hear about what's going on in some of the state houses, how they're trying to take away our rights. So, you know, maybe if that if that's something you're interested in, then you talk it up and you get your people and you say, let's let's write petitions and let's get more people and maybe let's go to the library. I always use the library. I love giving talks at the library. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do it for free. It's part of the community. And you you open up and you say, look, this is a perspective. What do you think? And and it opens up your community maybe to seeing something they hadn't seen before. And that's the feminine. Yeah. Yeah. Connectivity. Yeah. 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 Um, I have one, we have actually a couple more questions, but you and I talked a little bit earlier this week and you brought up something that has really stayed with me. And I feel like it's an important piece to bring forward to the listenership. And this is the idea of the feminine shadow. So we talk a lot about shadow work and going into the subconscious and and that you see the feminine shadow as holding all these gifts uh, versus the masculine shadow maybe holds a lot of the ego and destruction and but the feminine um, holds all these gifts. And could you expound upon that for us? Yeah. So Jung said that the shadow gets created when we're young to protect ourselves. So if someone is, um, you know, is constantly criticizing you, you might develop a habit of being sneaky or hiding a bit, right? And then as you get older, it becomes it's a habit. So let's say lying. You lie to protect yourself. Um, but... So th that might be a shadow, but the thing is that what's behind that? It's your truth. It's your integrity. It's like saying, you're going to hurt me, so I need to cover up. So it's like a cover, right? Mm -hmm. So, so often our shadows, but mostly women, like our shadows are, I'm nice. I have to be nice. I, I looked up the word nice and do you know what it originally meant? I'm sure I told you this, Betsy, stupid and inconsequential. Wow. <laughs> oh, my, That might be the most profound thing you have said all day. <laughs> wow. The most profound thing we've heard on this podcast. That nice means in, 
consequential and stupid. So the thing is, when you meet somebody and you go, oh, they're so nice. So you're saying that you're basically saying there's nothing much to say about them. You know, you can say I had a nice day, but it's like it's not like a great day. It's not like a bad day. It's sort of like just a nice day. Um, so we've been taught that or we've been taught to give over, especially as women. Give over yourself. It's a very Libra thing. So many of my clients in at one point were Libras and it's a scale. And what happens with Libras is they go, okay, anything you want, but then they create imbalance and then they get annoyed and they kick the person off the scale and then they're all up again. And Libra is all about, I have diplomacy. I'm willing to compromise. So it's about saying, well, that's what you want, but this is what I want, but I'm big enough to compromise and find the third thing. So, so often our strength is in our shadow. Mm. You know, we go, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Well, yeah, I bet you, you can look at what you did over here. Don't you see how strong you are? Like you're a mother or you go to work every day and you do this. This is a strength. We're just not naming it in the same way. So I often find that when I work with women, our shadows are where all the gold is. And Jung actually said that. He said, your shadow is 99% gold. Wow. Right? So everybody's willing to do shadow work. And it's like, you know, it, and I think sometimes it gets into that critical voice. Oh, I'm bad. I'm doing this. I'm not perfect. Rather than stop. Right? What does it mean? What's what the about the good things you think oh. you're doing that are covering over your strength, your passion? How many times as a woman have you been told, oh, you're just too much, you're too passionate? Too much. You've got yeah. too much. Too big. Too, too much. Big. But that's a very male perception. If you know the tarot cards, the, the um, tarot card of strength is a woman closing the lion's mouth, Right. All ancient goddesses rode on lions or had lions with them, lionesses with them. Men, though, if you know the old stories, men killed the lions and wore their skin. Mm. Men have trouble with passion. Women know how to tame our passion. We know how to focus our passion. But we've been told, oh, your passion is good. That isn't good anymore. Much. Yeah. Too much. You're too much. Mm. Yeah. Get small. Yeah. I could talk to you all day, Kathy. I know, this, right? Yeah. It just, just feels uh, like it's a fount of, and yeah. like you said, you're just tapped into, you know, this deeper energy or the channel. And so, poof. Yeah. Thank you for that. But all of us can be that. Yeah. All of us. And this is what I you hope. You're being called okay? to be, right? And yeah. follow our instincts, follow our intuition. And not be afraid to go out and see, like, I'm 74 and I keep hearing from people or from the culture, oh, when you're old, people ignore you. They don't really look at you. I don't even think about that. I go out and it's like, I'm just me. Okay. And if I want to talk to somebody, I am bad sometimes when I see people standing in line and they're on their phone, I talk to them on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know? Oh, hi. How was your day? Uh, you know, <laughs> oh. <laughs> because be if we can be our authentic self, we can influence. That's the, our light, right? Don't hide your light under a bushel, right? And I think that I was, you know, you were talking about the Aquarian age. We are entering that definitely, okay? 
we're the grandmothers and grandfathers of the Aquarian age. It's going to last 2000 years. Mm. My vision is Star Trek. Do you know, Star Wars is all about fighting. Star Trek is about grownups who are responsible and they're still, you know, there's still stuff. It's not like they're perfect, but they're going to explore and they're willing to see people as equal or other beings as equal. Right. So we have to do that now. It's not like dressing up like your Captain Picard or some Klingon. It's about being that responsible person who, when you see something, you do it. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Well, we always like to end our podcast with a question that I think you will find um, uh, that you will enjoy. So from the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes talks about how there are a few precious doors into the world of the wild woman. She writes, if you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much, you can almost not bear it. That is a door. And if you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. So when you think of your life, what door or doors did you take into your life as a wild woman? I think all of them. Okay. <laughs> you know, ideas, uh, you know, um, the door to a deeper life was the dream work. The door to a deeper life was my children. You know, part of my astrology was I had to learn to be a mother. Part of my astrology is I talk about it when you have a lot of planets in the 12th house, you're a part of the hundred monkeys. You're, you know, this house is the house of karma and it's about, and so when you have planets there, when you work that out and you have, and your other 99 monkeys work it out with you, it goes into the collective. It's like, we're giving a gift. So a lot of times sacrifice means to make sacred and nobody's asking us to sacrifice. It's always so interesting to me that we sacrificed for war but we don't sacrifice for the earth or for peace. Mm. But we women know how to sacrifice and we need to make it sacred. Like the other thing I always think is, this is me wanting to be the priest, Catholic priest. Why did we make the crucifixion the main image? The resurrection was the whole point. Right. As a yeah. Catholic, yeah, I find that. Right. So that's And that's what we're saying. We are spirits having a human experience. And if we can remember that we're spirits, then we don't have to be afraid of what the world is going to bring us because we know that our spirit is saying, this is just what you have to face. And the better you face it and the more fully you face it, you will change something. Okay. And maybe the lion will bite your ass or something will happen. But also you signed up for that and the hurts will all go away because we do have other lives. Yeah, yeah. Think? Yeah. yeah. Well, where can people find yeah. you? Because I think people might be interested in reaching out and learning more about their own. Well, I do. I have a website, kathypagano.com. Kathy with a C, pagan with an O. I'm in the original pagan. Um and um, my books are about, you know, like I said, the first book is very much about, it's a prim primer on the goddess. It's about wisdom 
you know, I took an image from the book of Revelation, but I did away with all the book of Revelation. <laughs> but it was of a woman clothed with the sun, standing on the moon, crowned with stars, giving birth to the Savior. Mm. And this came out of a dream I had where I dreamt that a voice said, you're going to be the mother of a Savior. And I thought, not me. Um <laughs> But everybody, okay? And it's also a picture of when we saw the picture of Earth from the moon. Yeah. yeah. Right? In 1970, 69, we saw the Earth crowned with stars, full light lit up by the sun with the moon underneath it. So it's a primer on how do we talk about wisdom and how do we talk about the feminine? And then my book on Aphrodite as you're in a Venus, I really feel like women need to get back to our sense of beauty and our sense of um, deep sacred sexuality and our sense, because beauty isn't about what we look like outside. It's about who we are inside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, even, and I tried to make it a little astrological because of course we all have Venus someplace. Um, but, you know, this sense of Venus is the, in, she initiates us, our, our soul. The patriarchy made her jealous in the in the story of Psyche and Eros. But really, she says, you, you want love? You want to experience the deep love? Then grow up. Go through these wow. this initiation. Yeah. And because and, we all want love, right? How many times as therapists, people come in and say, ah, or even as an astrologer, when am I going to meet somebody? It's like, you need to learn to love. Yeah. Love yourself. Yeah. And be love. If we are, love, when you're in love, love the love. world is magical, isn't it? Yeah, if we are love. love. Yeah. Everything is magical. If we can be love, we'll be back in that magical place. Hmm. Oh, that's such a good message. Yeah, and I think with. that's the perfect, perfect message. Be love. And be love. when you are in that space, the magic comes right at you. It's all around yeah. you. It's thank, all around. Thank you. you for being such a magical figure in uh, my life, <laughs> Kathy, you. and for sharing all of this with yes. these people today. Thank you. Kathy. Thank you for asking me again. I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.